Does the channel provide value? Focus on the foundation. I am a travel vlogger. It's always about communication. Build those partnerships. What are the problems that you solve for your clients? Just being ahead on the technological side of things. Leading an organization. You not only want to survive, but you want to thrive. They said it wouldn't last, and they said that you can't drive profitable and incremental revenue through the affiliate channel. But here we are, 20 years later, and the affiliate channel is alive and kicking and generating profitable revenue for thousands of retailers across the globe. Hi, I am Jamie Birch, your host of the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, where we talk to some of the industry's best and brightest about their careers, about leadership, and about how to drive profitable revenue through the affiliate channel. Welcome to the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. I am Jamie Birch, your host for this podcast and the CEO and founder of the award-winning affiliate marketing agency, JEB Commerce. Today, I have Jacob Fu. Jacob is the co-founder, along with his wife, Esther, of localadventurer.com. So we're going to talk about all things travel. If you are, well, you're just ready to get out and go experience the world. Uh, this is going to be a podcast to listen to. You definitely want to check out localadventurer.com as well. Um, just prepping for this uh, conversation uh, got me jazzed to travel. Now, I know we really can't do that a whole lot right now, uh, but the site is fantastic. Jacob is great. So we talk about travel. We talk about how they started this website and from a, a simple idea of when they moved out of Atlanta became a way for them to support themselves and, and travel the country uh, and sharing some of the great things this country has to offer. Uh, really a, a unique uh, niche that they fill. So we talk about that. We talk about how they earn their revenue on their website, uh, affiliate marketing, sponsorships, and we even made a new word, partnerships. So tune in, listen to this episode to find out what in the world we are talking about. I enjoyed this conversation greatly. Jacob is a really wonderful individual, uh, great to chat with, and they have a great story. So I'm going to get out of the way, and I'm just going to let you listen to my conversation with Jacob Fu. All right, Jacob Fu, thank you for joining me on the Profitable Performing Podcast. The episode we seem to have rescheduled 94 different times since we first spoke. Yes, we have, but I'm glad we're able to connect today. So am I, so am I. And my apologies for that. I appreciate your your uh, uh, stick-to-itiveness and still joining me. Um, very excited to chat with you. Uh, I was going through in preparation for this call today, and I was looking at your site, and we're going to get into that. And I am so jazzed right now. We love to travel. And I don't know if it's because we haven't in seemingly a decade, have <laughs> not been out of the house. Uh, but I'm wa looking at your pictures and reading, you know, what you guys have done. And now I just want to go to Las Vegas. I want to buy an Airstream. I want to travel. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is a good thing or it's now I'm going to be frustrated when I realize I'm still in a pandemic and I can't go anywhere. But I'm just excited. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm, uh, I'm so glad that you got excited after seeing the site. And, you know, that's essentially our goal. Our goal is to is to uh, get people to explore their greater backyard. Um, you know, obviously right now that, that greater backyard is a lot smaller uh, than, mm -hmm. than it used to be. Um, but even with that, you know, we, we still encourage people to explore their own cities uh, safely, of course, but um, there's just always adventure to be had. 
Definitely. So tell me a little bit about uh, uh, the, the site is localadventurer.com. Uh, and tell me, you know, what is the site about? And then I'd love to go into how how did it happen? How did it go from not existing to existing and you guys doing this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, the, the purpose of our site, again, is, is just to, to really encourage people to explore their greater backyard. Um, you know, we're uh, both my wife and I um, are Asian American, but we grew up in the States. Uh, we grew up in Atlanta. And um, we initially left Atlanta in 2013 to move to LA. Um, at that time, you know, I was uh, doing YouTube with my brother. Um, so, uh, and by doing YouTube, I mean we had a, a music based YouTube channel. And we were starting to gain a following, so we decided to to try to give it a go. And LA was kind of the spot to be. Um, my wife was running a wedding photography business, which I was helping her out with, and um, she had been doing that for ooh, eight eight plus years by then, and just needed a break from it. So we ended up, you know, moving out to LA with kind of this plan to to let's try it out for a year, see how it goes. And while I was doing that, Esther started this blog, Local Adventure. And the concept of it just kind of came from us leaving Atlanta. Um, you know, we both love traveling um, and really grew up with that sense of travel, either her going back to Korea every summer or uh, my dad just loves to travel. We're from Indonesia, so we visited family there, but also traveled all over the U.S. Um, but one thing we realized when we left Atlanta is that we left a lot of the city unexplored. And even though we grew up there and lived there for, you know, 28 years, we, there were so many things that we just left kind of on the table, telling ourselves that, oh, we'll eventually get to it, um, you know, and when we did have time off, we would go travel elsewhere and to more, quote unquote, exotic places. Um, so when we started the site, we really wanted to kind of change that mindset for ourselves. Um, moving to LA and being there for only a year, we wanted to make sure that we didn't take advantage um, of, of our backyard, our city that we were living in, um, but also wanted to encourage other people to do the same. You know, we all have 52 weekends in a year to explore. And, you know, travel is so, um, what people, where people are able to travel varies so greatly based on, you know, income and uh, time off. And so I feel like at that time when we were looking at things, people were always talking about these amazing far off de destinations, but we really wanted to localize a little bit more and say, uh, you know, even if you only have the day, there's still a lot of cool places that you can see. So the things that you guys feature aren't these amazing trips that maybe if you're well off, you get to do once uh, in a lifetime. These are things like if, if I'm in uh, on the Oregon coast, I can look at your Oregon coast guide and there's going to be a lot of things no matter where in the socioeconomic uh, spectrum I land on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, I think we, we try to cover a little bit of both. We, we obviously, uh, we still love traveling internationally. We, we usually on a normal year do it a couple times a year, two to three times a year, but by Travel blogger standards, that's pretty low. You know, most most yeah, travel yeah. bloggers are, are on the road all the time. Um, but we do try to stay focused kind of within the city that we're in and the surrounding area. Um, and so because of that, for the past seven years, we were moving to a new city every year um, within the U.S. and basing ourselves there to try to, like, explore it a little more uh, deeply. 
That's awesome. So the the concept your wife Esther had as you were heading to LA, when did it transform into a different city every year? And and you move. I think you said you moved for because uh, the YouTube music uh, channel that you guys were running. Um, so I have so many questions. So I'm peppering <laughs> you with a few at a time. Sorry. No, uh, so no when let's let's go with that one first. When did it transition to? uh, to this being the thing. Yeah. So, um, so we did a year in LA, um, and that was kind of the agreement I had with my wife as we went there. Cause she, you know, we were both kind of iffy. We've never lived on the West coast. Uh, we weren't sure about the city. We weren't sure about how well YouTube would do. Um, so we decided we would reevaluate towards the end of the year and decide what to do from there. Um, so, when it got about nine months, 10 months in, we both were kind of, we didn't love LA. Um, I don't know if it was the space we were in or where we lived. Um, we, we didn't love it that much. And we decided um, we, we wanted to move. Uh, at the same time, YouTube was doing okay. My brother and I were kind of at a break-even place. And we said, you know, let's, let's give it one more year to see how things are going. Um, so we decided to move to Las Vegas. And the reason we decided on Las Vegas is because we had uh, a few YouTuber friends who lived out here. So we still had a small community. Um, we had a couple projects still going in LA. So um, it was easy for us to drive, uh, mm-hmm. drive in when we needed to. Um, and so we came out to Vegas and, and continued to work on the YouTube channel and Esther continued to work on the blog. Um, and it was about that time in Vegas when Esther realized that like, hey, there are some people doing this for a living. And so she started to kind of make some more strategic moves and treated it more like a business and it started to really grow a nice uh, organic following. And that's when um, towards the end of our time in Vegas, you know, our YouTube stuff was still doing okay, but not taking off to where I wanted it to be. Um, so we had this conversation where, uh, you know, my brother just took over the channel and, and ran with it. And I decided to transition to help Esther full time. And, and um, we we went into the blog full time. And what was Esther's background? What was she doing, you know, as the local adventurer was, be, you know, becoming its own? Yeah. Um, so... As I mentioned, Esther was a wedding photographer. Um, she actually studied. You did mention that. <laughs> yeah, she studied chemistry. I have so many school. questions. I'm waiting <laughs> to answer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, so she studied chemistry in college. Um, was kind of on a pre med track, but always loved photography and the arts. Um, she initially wanted to go to art school, uh, but being a um, uh, Korean American, that wasn't really a very acceptable acceptable track. Uh, so she uh, she actually continued to shoot. She started shooting uh, with an old school DS or with an old school SLR in high school. Um, continued to shoot in college, and when she was working in a lab after college, she started to shoot weddings on the side, um, and that continued to grow for her word of mouth. And so she ended up, you know, leaving the chemistry behind and running wedding photography business. So when I met her, that's what she was doing. Um, and she's an amazing photographer. All the photography you see on the site is 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 her. Um, even if it's you know her in it, I'm essentially just a human tripod. I just <laughs> I click and do what she tells me to do. Uh, so yeah, she's an amazing photographer. Um, but when I met her, I ended up uh, helping her on the business side because my background was more in sales, account managing, and business. Um, and so uh, you know when I met her, we were doing wedding photography together. 
at first for a couple of years before we kind of made the leap to do this. That's pretty competitive in LA too, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. So um, once we left Atlanta, um, she ended up, you know, wedding photography is very much a word of mouth business. Um, mm -hmm. So we ended up kind of, we may have shot one or two more weddings after we moved to LA, but because it was a completely new market, we decided, you know, she was like, I'm kind of done with it. Um, I want to take a break and see what's out there. And so that's kind of when she just started the, the travel blog as a hobby, uh, which eventually then turned into a job. Gotcha. And what was the first thing that generated revenue for you guys where you thought, oh, this could, this could actually be a thing? Ooh, that's, that's a tough one to remember. Do you remember? I, I'm pretty sure it was affiliate sales. Um, you know, that, that's, that was kind of the um, lowest barrier of entry for us. You know, once we had some sort of organic following, um, some decent traffic, we started signing up for affiliate programs. Um, I still remember early on when we would get rejected from affiliate programs just because we weren't necessarily um, the right fit or the right size. Um, mm. At the time that we started, um, you know, which was uh, almost, you know, eight, nine years ago now, there were a lot fewer resources out there um, in terms of, you know, how to start a travel blog. So I think for mm. us, it was, it was a much more slow growth to generate revenue. Um, you know, it wasn't until three, four years in, to where we were really, where we really had kind of a uh, a grind uh, and a good understanding of like the different income streams that were possible. Um, I think nowadays, um, you know, part of it I'm, I'm jealous of is that there are so many resources out there for people who want to get involved to know, like, okay, well, I can start monet, like, yeah, I've got to focus on content, but I can start monetizing pretty early because, you know, these people have shown me how to do it. Um, so early on, we really focused on content. There was there were years where we cranked out three to five new posts a week um, just to really kind of create a deep back catalog for our site. Yeah, yeah. I operated a site, had a, a similar idea years ago called 1,000 Things to Do. And it was just like, there's got to be a 1,000 things to do in my community. I want to go find out what those things are. I yeah. had a really young family at the time and uh, did not see success like uh, you guys have for sure. So uh, you definitely capitalized on, and there's, there's a need for it. Why, what, when everyone's focusing on big trips, um, it seems, and, and they're traveling internationally uh, prior to COVID pretty consistently, what was the draw? Uh, was it just that experience in Atlanta, leaving Atlanta? Did you see a niche from your the business perspective of like, well, no one's really hitting to to travel within your own backyard, or or was it really just that experience in, or simply just that experience leaving Atlanta? Yeah, it was a mix of both. Um, you know, obviously moving to a new city every year, a lot of people ask us like, how do you choose the city? Um, and it, it's. The nice thing about working for yourself is is you get to make those choices of, of okay, well, where do I want to live? Um, but we, you know, treating it like a business, we had to make the strategic choice as well. So we had to pick cities that we felt like had enough of um, bloggable content in terms of you know search uh, search engine stuff. You know, as, um, we definitely believe that any city you live in, you can find activities. You can find a thousand things to do. But for us, from our side, we also have to make sure that there are enough people searching for that as well. Um, so that that's definitely, um, you know, we, we there was strategy involved in it as well as um, kind of our own yearning to want to explore those new cities. Um, but I think part of it was that niche as well. You know, we, we really 
we were really passionate about people discovering the U.S. as a whole. I think uh, people discount what you know the the places that there are to discover in this country, um, and just how much diversity there is here. Um, so it's just been amazing to see a lot of that. That's awesome. Now, have you ever? Uh, I'm so intrigued by that, and I can I can see with uh, with my wife us having some pretty um, passionate disagreements. <laughs> about where to move based on search history, you know, search uh, volume and where we want to go. Did you find any times where it was like, uh, we really want to go here, but no one's looking there? Uh, and and was there any any conversations like that? You, you know, there there we have enough big cities in the U.S. that um, for the most part, it wasn't too difficult in terms of those arguments. Uh, I think our, our main arguments would be we got into arguments over like the cost of living in certain places. Mm. Um, so we're, we're actually sense. back in Las Vegas now. Um, but before coming back here, we were in New York city, uh, which we loved, but it, it's expensive. Um, and yeah. in, in most, most given years when we, when we're kind of full, full fledged working and, you know, travel isn't um, completely uh, isn't down uh, because of the pandemic, we still travel quite a bit. You know, we're still gone. Uh, our goal is to stay around 30%, but a lot of there are years that we're still gone 50% of the time. Um, so for me, I'm a very practical person, um, whereas Esther's the artist and, and you know, is, is more about living that dream life. And I, I'm always like, man, I don't want to pay this much for rent if you're going to be gone half the time. Um, so we did, you know, our last move, we had a little bit of argument. She wanted to uh, move to San Francisco because um, we haven't lived there yet and we've always loved the city. Um, but I was like, man, I need a break from the uh, high rent costs, you know, from from New York City going to San Fran will be, uh, will be, oh, will yeah. be tough. I, I don't think that's a decrease. I think that's an increase yeah, in the cost of living. exactly. That's, it seems to be a really, really good balance between the two of you. How did the idea of a different city every year come about? Yeah, that was uh, that kind of organically happened. You know, I think it happened because we did LA for the year and um, decided, like, hey, let's let's give it a year and see if it's if it's if it's good for us. Um, so after that, I think part of it was we realized moving isn't that bad. Yeah, it's it's troublesome. But if you really pare down kind of your life, uh, we got we, we started living pretty minimal in terms of the amount of stuff we had. Um, and we were able to really, um, we at, at a certain point, you know, we lived in an Airstream. So we were able to really pare down our belongings to an RV size and just even a car, car full of stuff. Um, we ended up doing a year because we felt like it was a short enough time uh, for us to feel the urgency to tr to you know really explore the city, but still a long mm. enough time to get to know the city well. Um, so it was it was a, a good balance for us. And then logistically, you know, you had the uh, it was easy to sign a one year lease for an apartment as opposed to you know having to pay extra for six months or or whatnot. And there's the practical side coming in, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Can't do six months. No one's signing leases for that. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Now you've lived, you lived in New York City, Vegas, LA, and I think I saw Seattle as well. Uh, Portland. We When Portland. we were in Portland, we went up to Seattle quite a bit. Um, and then we lived in San Diego. Um, and then we actually lived in an Airstream for three months and kind of drove all over the U.S. 
See, I'm super intrigued by that. My wife and I uh, and our two youngest kids who still live in the house with us, uh, we plan to take several months, if not a whole year, and take our horses and our uh, camper trailer uh, down south and just kind of, uh, our, our kids rodeo. And we're going to do that. Now we haven't figured out the whole minimalist thing yet. Um, <laughs> because the plan is to bring the horses and our two great Danes. Um, so that should be a trip. And I saw you have an article for beginner RVers and I was looking through and I was like, Oh, I've done this for several years now. I won't find anything on the list. Uh, there were about 10 of those 15 things I've never heard of before. <laughs> I'll be using that too. But what was, how was that, uh, that trip? That was a learning experience for sure. Um, so it was actually a, a brand partnership. We, we uh, partnered with Airstream to launch their Endless Caravan, uh, which was basically this concept where uh, they had this, uh, this rental uh, Airstream where they would have different people live in it back to back to back, and so it would be this, um, you know, continuous caravan that would content uh, that would just keep going. Um, it was my first time driving anything of that size. You know, I basically mm-hmm. went from driving a uh, four door sedan to driving a Ford F one fifty plus uh, trailer hitch behind it. Oh yeah, uh, it's a big step up. Oh, it's a big step up, and you know, it was one of those crazy things where they're like, they took me out to train for a day, and they're like, "Well, you got it." Uh, <laughs> and uh, we learned a lot. Um, I think, uh, and I'm sure you know this, but uh, living in an RV in confined space in kind of uh, High stress situations, driving big vehicles around is 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 a recipe for arguments for couples and families. Um, oh yeah. So and the first one is always awful. Um, oh yeah, right? so bad. Like, I, I all I remember is the first one. Um, I'm trying to park the camper. Yeah. And anyone who's listening is laughing because if they've done this before, they know exactly what we're talking about, right? Yeah yelling at each other that they can't see you're on the wrong side, you're backing up into something. And now as we sit in the campground or wherever we're at, and we watch other people do that for the first time, uh, I have to say, I laughed just as hard as everyone laughed at me. <laughs> yeah. There, there's just, there's definitely a learning curve. And and part of that is learning how to communicate uh, on how to, definitely. how to park that vehicle. Um, but no, it was, it was wonderful. We, we really enjoyed the three months we learned, um, we learned that you know it was better to slow down. I feel like at the at, at the get go, we were like, okay, we got three months in this airstream. We have this giant list of places we want to hit. Um, and early on in the that first in the in the first month or so, we were you know we were staying in each spot a couple days and taking off, and staying in a couple days and taking off, and that just burns you out. Um, and yeah, as yeah. we started to meet other RVers who were doing this full time. Uh, we got a lot of great advice. Um, the community is so awesome. Uh, they're, they really, uh, they really help you out and they're really friendly. Um, and we're Very welcoming. Yeah. So welcoming. Um, and so towards the end of the trip, we, you know, we would find a home base for a week or two and it just really slowed down and we were really able to enjoy those places. Um, we initially wanted to, to kind of test the waters to do this as a full-time, uh, full-time thing, but we realized that even the best internet connection you can get um, isn't great. And for us, because we're dealing with such uh, high-res images and videos, it was it was a struggle to get our our blog, you know, keep it keep up with it. 
Um, so for us, I think we our plan is to eventually get an RV again and and basically uh, get ahead and work, take three months off, travel around and you know capture content, then come back to a home base and um, focus on the work again. Yeah, and that was one of my non-affiliate off-topic but important to me questions was, <laughs> was the internet where, where you're going. We're, we're not going to be traveling from one place to another. We're going to be taking a month here and a month there. So, but that is, I have a very weird list of, of requirements for that trip. Uh, you know, horses yep. have to be able to have the camper and the dogs and then I need internet, uh, but we're kind of thinking the same thing, not so much get ahead of the work, but uh, group uh, things like podcast recording, yeah. things that are really bandwidth uh, intensive uh, at locations where we can have sort of guaranteed, but very, very interesting. So we have heard your kind of first sale and we've heard a partnership with Airstream. Uh, uh, there has got to be quite a lot in between uh, of, of learning the more practical side of monetization and affiliates and different ways, uh, to generate revenue off of the site. Tell me about that journey. Yeah, that's, um, it's, it's continuous, you know, it's, um, I think for a good example of that is, uh, ads on our site, uh, for the longest time, Esther was really focused on, uh, the user experience. And part of that for her was going to other websites and seeing ads. Um, you know, she was like, oh, it annoys, it annoys me. I don't want to do that. Um, but as we continue to grow and, and we have a few, um, I guess, quote unquote colleagues, uh, other travel bloggers who are around our size that we, we stay in touch with and talk shop a lot. And there was, I remember, you know, maybe four years ago, we had this conversation with them. They were like, hey, you know, you guys really should consider this this uh, this ad company because we're generating X number of dollars. We know your traffic's similar. You're just kind of leaving that on the table. Um, so for us, we were able to find a balance with that to say, okay, well, what is a good, okay number of ads where it doesn't use, ruin the user experience, but is still something that, that we're, we can generate revenue with. Um, so that was a, that's a good example of something that we learned, and that was you know pretty far into our travel blog career. Um, the other two main sources of income for us are sponsorships, uh, which come in a varying degrees, and then affiliate sales, which kind of goes hand in hand with that as well. Um, mm. We we really it's something we're still learning about um, affiliate sales. I would I'll, I'll be the first to admit that we're not amazing at it. Um, we do we do well in terms of uh, product affiliates, um, and that's because we're it's just the type of content that we build. You know, we build uh, a lot of outdoor content. Um, we do packing guides. You know, if you are going to go hike uh, Patagonia, this is what we this is this is the gear that we used, and and this is what you should use as well. Um, so in those kind of that kind of affiliates we're, we're decent at um, in terms of like hotel stays. That's something that, that we never focused on. And, and I know that that's something that we can do better at. So we're always continuing to try to push ourselves to learn um, because I think both there's always something new, but also the, the environment landscape and, and how you market these different uh, income sources changes from year to year as well. Um, or even more so than year to year, really. Um, so yeah, just right trying now, to, yeah. Week to week, 
themes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, just trying to stay on top of all of that. I don't know if that answered your question, but um, yeah, well, definitely. Yeah. So you know, a lot of advertisers they are looking for affiliates like yourself, and they're they're usually looking through their affiliate channel. Uh, but uh, there's all these sponsorship opportunities. So tell me, can you give me some examples of those sponsorships uh, or a partnership? I yeah. guess that's combining <laughs> the two words, but uh, maybe we've created a new category today. Um, but tell me, how do those, how do those come about? Is that something you're driving? Are the, the advertisers coming to you and, and what's the process look like to be successful? With you guys, yeah. Um, so this is something that for me, I, I'm passionate about. Um, I my background is sales account managing, and when I came into the the to to the business, that's really what I focused on, and and it's partly why you know uh, on a normal year, 50, 60 percent of our income is through um, through paid sponsorships, uh, because that's just naturally what I am um, more inclined to, and, and it comes easier to me. I think it's 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 a discipline. It's a it's a it's a skill that you need to learn, and I think most people don't necessarily uh, think about it that way. You know, people who get into this this industry or into travel blogging, or even people who run their you know Instagram uh, or they're just social media influencers, they focus so much on just creating content that they forget that running a small business, you have to wear a lot of different hats. Um, and part of that is learning how to to, to sell, negotiate, and um, and and basically to to continue these brand relationships. Um, and a lot of that is is scary. From the conversations I've had with people, you know, people are like sales. That I don't I don't want to be a salesperson. I don't want you know I didn't do this to become a salesperson. Um, but I think that word is is it, it sometimes feels dirtier than it should be. Um, you know, people always kind of feel like being salesy is dirty, but I, I definitely don't think if if, it, if your product is yourself and your site and it's something you're passionate about, then sales shouldn't feel dirty. It's a, it's it's really just about um, you know being able to communicate well, um, learning how to do good business, learning how to communicate well, and I just repeated myself, but that's part of communicating well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really about that, you know, and, and it, it still blows my mind how many PR companies I work with or brands that I work with when I, when I talk to them and ask them some of their pain points, um, they talk about, yeah, I, I appreciate that you get back to my emails within 24 hours. Uh, you know, cause, cause there are so many people out there who just focus on content that they forget the way to generate revenue is to build these relationships, whether it's through affiliate partners or through paid sponsorships. And part of that is having to go through your email every day and answering those emails in a timely manner and following through with your contracts. Um, so yeah, that, that's a big part of uh, what I think people kind of miss out on and, and forget to focus on. And um, I'll, I'll mention it because uh, I, I really don't like to self-sell on this standpoint, but I did create an e-course because of that. Um, I had a few friends who wanted uh, help with that, and I created an e-course that was essentially just this uh, no BS guide to how to to do sales and negotiate. Outstanding, and and definitely uh, at the end, give you a chance to share where they you know uh, people can see that. Um, so, what percentage? So it sounds like you're actively out there looking for brands that your audience would uh your audience and your particular 
experience, your personality, where you guys are going, what you plan on doing, you're actively out there looking for those relationships to, to build and to come up with ideas. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a good mix of both now. Um, early on, it was definitely a lot more of me reaching out, a lot of cold calls, cold emails. Um, nowadays, I would say um, it, it's, a, it's a pretty fair split. Um, you know, I'll reach out to companies when we have upcoming projects that I think would be a good fit for affiliate relationships. Um, so for example, we're going to be going to uh, Jackson Hole to write about winter activities there. So I may uh, reach out to, you know, outdoor clothing companies that that would be a good fit because it'll be a, a nice way for us to talk about some of the newest gear. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Airstream relationship was essentially me cold calling um, and a little bit of luck in terms of timing. Um, you know, it was just reaching out and saying, hey, you know, this is what we're interested in. Do you have any upcoming projects that we might be a good fit for? Um, at the same time, we have a lot of companies who reach out to us and it's, um, it's, it's about us just kind of um, finding either making sure it's a good fit for us. Um, you know, we definitely turn down uh, companies that we don't feel like would be a natural fit for our audience. Um, but also just coming up with creative solutions for it. Um, we worked with uh, Kleenex, for example, for a couple of years. And that's always kind of a, people are like, Kleenex, you, you run a travel site. What does, what does that have to do with anything? Um, but they were launching their wet wipes. And, and for us, you know, we're very much germaphobes when we're traveling, even before the pandemic. Um, Esther yeah, yeah. would be that person when we get on a plane to wipe everything down. Um, yeah. And so it was a good fit for us. It was something that we were already naturally using and we were able to, to incorporate it into our content. That's awesome. So if an advertiser thinks they'd be a good natural fit, what are the things that you're looking for that they should be aware of? You know, I think it's um, it's it's kind of being true to what you do and what you would, would naturally use already. Um, with that being said, obviously there are companies who you, who will reach out to you who you may not have ever checked out their products before or their services. Um, and a lot of times for me, that that's where it's about communicating correctly or communicating um, what to expect correctly, I guess. Um, so there are times where, where, where a brand comes to us and say, hey, you know, we'd love for you to talk about our product. And if I'm unsure about it, then I will ask them to send it first and say, hey, let me check it out. Let me be sure, you know, this is going to be something I'm stoked about before I agree to move forward with anything. Um, so that's always a nice way to do that. Um, another kind of good way is to, you know, early on when when you start thinking about brand deals, um, you know, I, I made a list of these, you know, 10 uh, dream brands that I would eventually want to work with. Mm. Um, but it's intimidating to just pitch to them right away, especially when you're not quite as established yet. Um, so what I did, what I did was I would take that brand and I would write down maybe five to 10 adjacent brands that were similar, but maybe smaller, either a local business that was similar or um, just a smaller label that was, uh, that had similar products. And we'll kind of use that as a way to, to start to practice the, the, uh, the brand integration. That's, that's awesome. Uh, and a, a really great idea. Now tell me about your audience. Wh who are they? Um, can you talk to size? What, what, do, what are, th what are they like? Yeah. Um, you know, our site, uh, I would say on a normal, not pandemic year, uh, which 
Um, hopefully, it'll eventually kind of get back to. Um, yeah. We we would our, our monthly unique visitors would be about three hundred to four hundred thousand, um, and then our page views would be you know just above six hundred thousand monthly page views. Um, so that's kind of our, our rough um, audience size. Um, we have social media as well, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, but our blog was definitely kind of our biggest home base. Um, we're definitely a, uh, a very SEO-driven site. Um, you know, a lot of people who are coming and discovering us are finding us through Google. Um, and then we'll, what we'll hear is that people who enjoy our content, who end up using it and finding it useful, they'll then come back to, to do more. Um, in terms of a, uh, a description of the typical user for our site or, or uh, visitor, I would say it's probably um, anecdotally gathered. It is kind of, it's a established professional, you know, late 20s to, to 30s. Um, they, they are typically established in their profession, married, single, no kids, um, so they have that expendable income and they're looking for experiences um, as they're traveling um, where they like us. They, they like a mix of uh, outdoor adventures. You know, we like to I would not call ourselves outdoorsy by any means, but we like to uh, to kind of push ourselves beyond our comfort zone um, in, in the outdoors. And because we love photography, the outdoor spaces are always amazing to shoot at. But we like to end in a in, in luxury. You know, we want to have a nice glass of whiskey in a nice restaurant and stay in a nice hotel at the end of the day. Um, so I would say a lot of our readers are kind of uh, are kind of similar to that. Awesome. Did you say nice whiskey? Yes, we love we love uh, drinking whiskey. And what is your go to brand? Oh man, um, that's that's a tough one. I you know what I my when I go to a bar. I actually just try to find something that I've never tried before. Um, I do a lot of that too. Right. And, and that's typically it. Um, Japanese whiskeys. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I lean towards, um, I just like the, the cleaner uh, flavor profile there and, and definitely enjoy them. That I recently hear we missed a, a Japanese whiskey uh, tasting. Um, uh, they, they didn't have uh, COVID, uh, things in place for us oh, to feel comfortable. Yeah. So we missed it. And I was really looking forward to it because I still have yet to try any of it. Uh, I was really looking forward to that. Um, I, I am just now kind of becoming a, a whiskey and, and bourbon uh, connoisseur. So nice. uh, it's definitely something uh, top of mind. That was my quarantine activity. <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. To- to uh, start enjoying uh, some whiskeys and, and really learning how to make a drink other than uh, yeah, beer. So yeah. that was, yeah. that was mine. Um, and that kind of leads me to a question, you know, when I started the series on our podcast about travel, we were at the nadir of COVID and, you know, and, and uh, we interviewed some people whose, whose businesses were greatly impacted. Uh, and when we first spoke, you and I, uh, that was when we kind of first uh, chatted. So a lot has happened since then. But talk to me about how the pandemic has affected and impacted you guys and local adventurer, you know, content, site visitors, all of that. Yeah, um, it, it definitely has hurt. 
Um, I would say we're, we, we still feel very fortunate. We had the savings, we had um, enough of income still coming through that, you know, I would, you know, we're, we're not um, worried that we're going to be out of a job. Uh, but at the same time, our traffic, you know, initially dipped down to 35, 40% of what our traffic normally is. Um, it still hasn't climbed up by any means to where it is, uh, where it was, but it's been slowly coming back as people have started to, um, you know, venture a little more and explore their own cities and uh, cabin fever. Um, but it's, it's a tough place for us. You know, we, we feel responsibility on, on how we communicate travel and what that means and, you know, how it affects communities. Uh, you know, obviously we love exploring the outdoors and, and that has, uh, absolutely exploded in the past year, uh, just yeah. because that's kind of the only quote unquote safe option. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of impact that we make on these spaces, like, uh, you know, that are short staffed, um, that are uh, these small cities that, that are usually close by, don't have the infrastructure to handle a COVID outbreak. Um, so for us, we stayed put for the most part. Um, we did a couple of small adventures, but we stayed put and just really kind of shifted some of our content to do a little more lifestyle stuff. And, um, and, and, we actually ended up having a Esther ended up in the hospital a couple of times with health issues that weren't COVID related. Um, so she's still recovering from that. So timing, I guess, worked out uh, because we weren't, you know, we didn't have a bunch of trips booked. Um, but it's been, it's been tough. It's been tough. But uh, we really believe that, you know, we haven't shifted our content so drastically. We know a lot of people who have kind of jumped ship and just uh, moved on to other things. Um, yeah. We know that it's going to come back and um, we're just kind of waiting it out. We're, we're still putting content out there, trying to do it in a responsible manner. And we've had a couple side projects that we've been working on as well that we just kind of finally have time to do now that we're, we're having a little bit of time to breathe. Did you find that the local nature of your content um, protected you somewhat? I know you lost a, a significant amount. Uh, did you find that that it wasn't as severe as many others? I know saying that when you lost 70%, uh, it seems ridiculous, but did you find that protected you somewhat? Yeah. You know, um, I think it's, it's definitely helped in the bounce back. I think the initial hurt and cutoff, um, hurt everybody just as bad. Um, and I think that's just because, uh, you know, everybody remembers, what it felt like in March, April, when, you know, everything was in lockdown and nobody knew anything. And we really, nobody wanted to travel even locally. Um, and yeah. so as people have started to venture out, I think, you know, that has definitely helped our site um, in the bounce back of it. Um, but at the same time, you know, we keep getting the ups and downs within the U S of, of where things are. Um, so we're, we're, Yes and no, I guess would be the short answer to, yeah, to yeah. that question. And my next question is, is what do you see happening in 2021? And really th that practical side, how do you plan? And, and I really want to know, I, I could use the help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're still talking a lot about that. Uh, and I think that's, that's partly, again, because of, um, you know, we feel the responsibility to say, to, to, to do this in, in a, in, in what makes sense. You know, we don't want to just tell people, Hey, vaccines out, 
let's go. Um, yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of complications with that as well. Um, you know, there's there's uh, obviously the rollout is taking a little longer than we all had hoped for. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly don't think travel will be back to what it was for a couple of years. I think towards the end of this year, we're going to see a lot more local travel, um, which is, you know, we're hoping that will be beneficial for us since we do have a lot of local content. Um I think I think that at that point we'll we'll start to you know the the domestic numbers at, at least will start to go up. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know our site did receive uh, did a lot of a lot of people coming to our site were also international visitors visiting the U.S. Um, and then coming here and then trying to do some research while they were here. Um, so those numbers I have no idea. I think that's a few years away before that ever comes back, just because you know the the, the U.S. is not really viewed as a safe place right now um, uh, on the international uh, pl- platform. And you and I are recording this on the 11th of January, and there are many reasons why <laughs> U.S. is not seen as a safe place right now Right uh, for international travels and travelers and frankly for us too. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, yeah, uh, so I mean like our Jackson Hole trip at the end of the month will be the first time that we're traveling out of state um, in, in since – basically 2019. Um, and we still have some reservations about it, but, you know, I think because most of our activities will be all outdoors once we're there, we're still nervous about just the idea of getting there. Um, so I think honestly, I'm going to be that guy in the, in the airport and the plane where, you know, full hazmat suit, triple face mask, and like just everything I can do to be safe. My kids have started calling me COVID Karen. (laughs) That is my nickname because I am that guy with us all the time. I uh, and and North Idaho is a little different. There's a uh, a lot less of those who are very careful and cautious mm-hmm. about COVID. Yeah, uh, and so uh, we we aren't, you know, uh, completely. Uh, locking everything down, but very cautious and very cognizant of of the safety protocols, and so. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I totally understand, and uh, I would not look down at you at all if I saw you in the airport with a hazmat suit. I'd probably <laughs> ask you where you were able to find one. Right. Jackson Hole is one of my favorite places in the world. Are you able to do any skiing while you're there? So uh, we're, I'm a little bummed out that we're not, and that's primarily because uh-huh. Esther's still healing from from a surgery in her okay. abdomen area. So we have to keep the the adventuring pretty light this time. And this is going to be our first time up there in the winter. Um, we've always been there during the summertime. So we're really excited to kind of see a different side of Jackson Hole. Yeah, it is beautiful. I, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, like I said, it's one of my favorite places. There is a there's a restaurant, a very uh, uh, out there kind of country restaurant, um, very steakhouse-ish, uh, just south of Jackson Hole that makes the best stuffed mushrooms I've ever had in my life. Uh, and if I remember the name, I will I will let you know, but they are enormous and and uh, plentiful. Uh, I, I, I just love them. Uh, but man, I wish you wish you the best there. That is uh, that is a really great trip to have. 
So, uh, Jacob, I, I've asked all my questions. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. We've learned a whole lot about what you guys do uh, and what you're going to be doing going forward. What's the best way if if an advertiser wants to reach out to you um, to to talk about a Spartan? A, a, I'm a partnership. Yeah, a partnership. That's going to be our new thing. <laughs> Smartnerships. <laughs> if they want a partnership and they want to talk about what it's going to look like uh, going forward, um, how how what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, they can uh, they can find our contact information on our website localadventure.com, uh, or they can email us at hello at localadventure.com, um, and that's localadventurer, um, so with an er at the end. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for joining me today. I, my, my wife has been pushing me to plan our next trip and we usually do uh, one in the spring, one in the fall. Our last one, it seemed like it was three years ago was to Scotland uh, and before she had surgery. Uh, so she wants to go back. Amazing. And I'm going to share a few of these things. Uh, with her because I'm jazzed now. I've been dragging my feet, but man, I want things to open up because I, I want to get out of here. And and please tell Esther her, her pictures are amazing and they're doing the job. They're soliciting an emotional response from me. <laughs> I want to travel. Amazing. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. And I'll include a bunch of the stuff we talked about in the show notes, as well as how to get a hold of you at localadventurer.com. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks, Jamie. Jacob, thank you so much for joining me today. Really enjoyed the conversation. And again, thank you for working through the many rescheduling episodes that I had to go through to get this done. It's a really great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Learned a lot about travel affiliates, how they've been impacted, uh, and really how localadventurer.com uh, generates the revenue. Now, if you would like to get a hold of Jacob and you want to talk to them about partnerships, and hopefully you picked up on that. If you want to talk about partnerships with Jacob, we're going to include that in the show notes. Now, if you're an advertiser and you're looking for partnerships like this, and you want to have your program evaluated to see if how well are you set up to do just that and what are you missing in terms of all the different partnerships you can get, then you definitely want to reach out to us at gethelp@jevcommerce.com. We can do a quick 15-minute overview and audit of your program and determine you know, what you're best suited to do and what the opportunity is. So don't hold back. Let us know. Reach out to us today. Now, if you like this episode, I would love for you to share it. Uh, share it on Facebook and all the socials, but also leave a recommendation for us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, uh, and become a subscriber. And if you know someone who would benefit from this particular episode, would love it if you shared it with them. And we are looking for guests for the 2021 season. So if you would like to be a guest or you know someone who would really be phenomenal on this podcast, please send that also to get help at jevcommerce.com. So I'm going to get out of the way. I've got a lot of partnerships to work on.